All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. And today we've got Isabel Rungi, Chief of Staff of Ephemeral Tattoo, real tattoos that aren't forever. I mean, just that statement alone just excites me. So I can't wait to have you on the show. We are going to jam on some fun topics, uh, everything from what a chief of staff is and does to the awesome work that you're doing out in this world. Welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, before we get into the work, chief of staff and kind of everything in between, you know, if we put the titles aside and, and all of that, just who are you? Like, what's the, how would you define you as the lovely human you are uh, today? Yeah, I wish, I wish I knew, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, in all seriousness, um, I think, you know, when it comes to who I am, probably the only constant is, you know, friend, daughter, sister, uh, those things, you know, will hopefully yeah. never change. Um, and I kind of embrace the fact that everything else probably will change. Um, you know, I'm the type of person who I really hate being boxed in or stuck or trapped. You know, that was something I learned, learned during COVID. I think we probably all learned yeah. a little bit during COVID. Um, so I'm really, you know, right now focusing on, on leaning into embracing change. And coincidentally, that's why I probably ended up in the, in the chief of staff role where you really do have to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think when it comes to my, my self-direction, I'm, I'm definitely someone who gets a lot of pleasure and value out of helping other people and, you know, bringing out the, the best in other people and kind of, you know, working with, with people to, to solve problems um, and kind of, you know, following my, my curiosity in, in that way. Love it. And what's, so what, what is your story, you know, leading into what you're, you're doing now? I know there's, there's some wild uh, experiences definitely at WeWork, you know, going from, what was it? I think you told me it was like from five to 200, then back down to 20 or 10 or something like that in yeah. a pretty short time. So yeah. why don't you just paint a, uh, you know, a brief picture of just a little bit of your backstory and how you, how you landed where you're at right now? Yeah. So, I mean, like, like so many others, I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, in college, I, I studied environmental science because it was just like something that I, I found really interesting. Um, I studied computer science a little bit because again, I was just like, oh, this is interesting. This is cool. Um, <laughs> graduated with like no idea what I was going to do. Um, so I did, I did consulting for, for a year, um, which I feel like, you know, really, really taught me how to like be, be an employee, be, you know, yeah. a professional in the workforce. Um, and then, you know, moved to, moved to New York and ended up at, at WeWork. Um, and so, you know, at WeWork, let's see, I think when I, when I started, there was like maybe 4,000, 5,000 employees. And then in less than a year, we were up to like 12,000. 12, don't don't wow. quote me on that, but something around there. Um, and that was, you know, 2018. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years later, obviously COVID, uh, you know, the CEO chain over <laughs> <Your> details <laughs> that almost was <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, I think what I've really like taken out of, of, of that whole experience, um, is, is adaptability. And I think that's, you know, yeah. as I was reflecting on, on, you know, my role now and what makes a good chief of staff and what makes me good for the position, it's really about, I think, adaptability and like being able to just really <laughs> roll with the punches, um, not get, you know, too, 
too, you know, stressed over, over the minutia, over the drama and, you know, just really focus on, on, you know, faking it till you make it, honestly. Okay. So if you think about like, you know, obviously now in retrospect, it's, it's always easier to look back at, and I'll just use we work for, for now, just since so many people know the story and whatnot and probably resonate and, and, you know, probably were in your position as well, potentially given the number of people, uh, or where I know the audience of this show lives. Um, like in retrospect, what, what do you think you needed most during those aggressive periods of, of change and, and whatnot? Like what would have, what, what are you doing now that, that you think would have helped really, um, quite a bit? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing is just perspective. Um, hmm. and you know, kind of having something outside of, of work, I think that, that grounds you and can, can help. And I, I think especially now that so many people are working from home, it's really hard to have perspective. Like if something's going bad at work or if, you know, you know, right now, obviously there's a ton of layoffs and, and, you know, the, the environment and things are just very chaotic and, and uneasy. Um, and so just being able to take yourself, I think out of, out of the work environment and like have something else there. Um, I was lucky where, you know, we work at the time there was, a lot of, a lot of young people. And so I had a lot of friendships at WeWork. And I think that was also, you know, really helpful is like, we would go out to drinks or out to coffee and yeah. get out of the workspace, but still be able to kind of, you know, you know, complain about work or, you know, joke about, joke about, you know, the layoffs or the drama that was, that was going on. So, you know, I think just being able to, to take a step back and have that perspective, whether it's, physically leaving the space or, you know, having someone that you can, you can kind of, you know, joke about it with. Yeah. Well, it takes you out of, it it takes you out of the mess in a a way, right? Like it kind of zooms you out a little bit, even though that of course, you know, like the, the, the constant in life we can always count on is, is change. Obviously there are varying degrees of, of what we'll experience in, in, in those cases, but you know, change is, is always there. And obviously, again, in retrospect, usually we can see, okay, well, that's what I learned in, in, in this situation. You can kind of leverage that moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in it, it's like it's really hard to, I don't know, it's really hard to make, you know, clear decisions and, and, and feel good when your mind is full and it's anxious or, you know, full of fear and stress and, and so forth. So uh, I'm glad you, you, you shared that, that, tip or practice. I think anyone can use that, right? Just take a moment and pause and, and like pull out of the, out of the situation. Yeah. One, uh, one, uh, you know, saying or, or, you know, practice that I, that I really like that. I don't know where I heard it. I maybe on TikTok or Instagram or something was that, you know, a way, a way to avoid stress or avoid being anxious in a situation is if you're, if you're stressed or anxious, it's because you're assuming you know what the best and worst case scenario is. And so Mm. you're in your mind thinking like, oh, you know, I don't want this worst case scenario to happen or like thinking about all the horrible things that could happen. Um, And, you know, the, I think the underlying principle in this is just like everything happens for a reason, right? Like in any bad scenario, it could actually be leading to something much better. Um, And so when I heard that, I, you know, it's easier than done for sure. There's still things where I'm like, oh, I know that this would be bad if it, if it happened. But I think just kind of re reframing the mindset and saying, okay, you know, I don't know everything. So maybe, you know, this one path that I thought was right for me is not right for me. And maybe, you know, not getting this job or, you know, having a setback or something like that, I think is going to be the worst thing ever. It's actually opening me up to, to something else. Totally. Totally. Well, and it's it, what, what, 
what comes up for me in, in that example too is just this idea of of like kind of trying to stick to the facts and and what's happening versus like the you know the the made up narratives right that feel so damn real and like really send our mind for a loop. But if we really again kind of zoom out and and find a practice that works to help doing that for me, it's typically journaling. Um, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well actually like this is this is this is what I'm really hearing in this situation, and all this other stuff is just noise that's distracting and, and pulling me off, you know, my game essentially. Mm-hmm. Were there any other practices outside of, you know, obviously connecting with friends and coworkers and stuff outside of the, the, the office that you found, you know, are helpful or that are, are non-negotiable for you now today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing that I get a lot of like personal joy out of is just having a routine. That's I'm yeah. sure something that a lot of people say. Um, you know, I used to be like, the type of person, this was during my, my WeWork era where like I would wake up at like 6am and like run to a workout class or like run to the gym and then run to work. And I was always like, kind of like moving really quickly. Um, and I think that, I mean, that worked for me at the time. I was like, I love that, you know, jolt of energy in the morning. Um, it's not for everyone. I've, I'm now like a total 180 from that. Like I have my morning coffee. I sit on the oh, couch. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have a much uh, more relaxed routine now. What I shifted think, that? I have to ask you before you continue. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think just number one, like working from home, it allowed me to be like a little bit more, um, yeah. have a little bit more, more time and space in the morning. Um, and obviously like COVID and all that kind of stuff too. physically just, I had to, I had to stop that routine and start a new one. And I think it, you know, forced me to think about like what I really, what is really like good for me in the morning and like what I really want to do. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was like, I just want to exercise on a daily basis. That's like one of the most important things to me. Um, so I found, you know, uh, a workout that is like low impact and fun and easy. And like when I was really stressed out during COVID or, you know, working from home, I could still really easily do this workout like in my living room. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, you know, one shift to like finding like a, an at-home workout that I really liked that really worked for me that made me like happy rather than <laughs> stressed. Totally. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not against it. I, you know, I went to soul cycle for the first time in like two years last week and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So who's not to say that (laughs) I I won't, um, you know, change things around, but I feel like, you know, if it's, if it's working for me, um, and you know, I'm able to be relaxed and productive during the day, then I'm going to stick with it. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's the key, right? Like, and it's why I always talk about the space of, of mental fitness, um, in the sense that it's, it's just like physical fitness. I mean, just because you don't like spinning doesn't rule out all of exercise, right? There are a million different things you can do. So it's the same thing for our mind. And, and we go through these different seasons of life that, you know, you're obviously experiencing. It's like, okay, well, right now I need this kind of routine. And that's beautiful. I mean, the, the, I think the key is, is that you're still prioritizing that ritual or that, that routine in the, in the morning like that. Mm-hmm. And what, what happens within that container will probably continually evolve as as you and your life and your work evolves. But uh, it's beautiful that you have that self-awareness and and it's it's working and keeping you probably happier uh, most more days than not. Yeah. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's easy to, you know, if your routine's not working for you, like start to feel like you're failing, you know? Yeah. 
Um, sometimes like after I'm traveling, I get really jet lagged and I like can't get myself up out of bed until 8.30 and I feel really bad about myself for a few days. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to lean into this and see if I can't create a new routine that works for me. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Totally. Trying to just, just work with, with what, you know, your, your brain and body are telling you that day is best for it. Yeah. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing. And this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Before I, I, I'll move on shortly to the ephemeral and, and just, you know, chief of staff and that whole concept and position. But before that, j- just given there's, you know, you're living this and you work at a company that is 100% remote and there's, I mean... I think I read something recently. I think it was Morning Brew that sent this out. Um, that in, at least in the U.S., it's offices are still they've reached fifty percent. You know, kind of back to work. So I mean, it's. I feel like the narrative or what 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 it feels like on the outside is that it's way way more like like things are back to normal in in some capacity, but like that's not actually the case. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked about this recently on LinkedIn. I feel like there's this this really scary uh, topic that is not being discussed very much. And that is the return to work or whatever the new normal is for working. Like we had so much discussion when everything stopped and it's like, okay, you're going to work from home. Here are some things that you can do to make that transition uh, manageable and, and, and equip your teams and so forth. But now it's like people are going back or they're not, or some are one day, some are like, five days or you're out kind of thing. And it's, it's just all over the place. And that is just that in itself. I, I feel it working with teams. It's either fully expressed as like some serious anxiety or there's this underlying like base level anxiety that is not really being discussed and that affects everything. Because yeah. like right back to, you know, what we're talking about in your, your WeWork days, not necessarily you, but just people when your mind's full, it's like really hard to do good good job and above all like we deserve to feel good as well so <laughs> there's that kind of moral obligation i think as as team leads and employers and and for ourselves to do everything we can so i, I th- sorry that was a very long-winded setup to asking you uh for you and the team over at ephemeral like what what's been working well from a work from home perspective and, and i guess like what are some things you, you, you like realistically you're still working on as as a team mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I think I, I have a probably a unique perspective because you know we work. We were basically the the face of the return to work uh, movement. You know, we we were back in the office. I think like July 2020, really as soon as it was you know legally <laughs> legally yeah. allowed to be, um, with all of the you know COVID precautions and yeah. everything. Um, and then now to be to be fully remote. Um, I've definitely seen you know the best the best and the worst of of both worlds. Totally. Um, I think in terms of of challenges, like it's it's really the same 
the same challenges that you have in the office, but I think they're just more exacerbated, like communication, obviously, collaboration, silos mm-hmm. happening. Um, it still it still happens when you're in the office, but it's easier to to catch and you know grab people and run into a room and, and work it out. Yeah. Um, whereas you know if you're remote, things could theoretically go weeks without people figuring out that there's a misalignment or something. Um, I actually kind of like to flip that on its head and say, you know, it almost forces you to be to be better. It forces you to document more. It forces you to, you know, really critically think about the meetings that you're having and if they're if they're valuable and the communication yeah. tools that you're using. Um, and you know, I think just be really rigorous about about those kind of organizational things that you should be doing whether you're remote or not, but you have to do if you're remote. Yeah. So I think you know it's kind of the, you know, the good and the bad is, is really rolled up in, into one. Um, and, you know, I think when people are more asynchronous, you know, maybe they're working different time zones or maybe, I don't know, they're taking, taking the afternoon off to go to a doctor's appointment or work out or something like that. Um, you kind of have to assume that if you don't tell someone something or if you don't write it down, didn't happen. Yeah. Good point. So I would say that's like really, you know, what, what we are, trying to always get better at. We probably do it. I think we do a pretty good job now. Um, but I, I would say that's probably, you know, the most, the most important thing from, from my mind around, uh, remote working. Well, and I think like from a mental fitness perspective, like this is where, where the, the pause is probably helpful, like in, in doing everything possible not to fall on this autopilot throughout the whole day. Cause what you're saying is so important around just communication skills and just pausing for a second and, and, again, zooming out and like, okay, you know, was that clear? Is this meeting really required? Like just slowing down a little bit, right? So it's not just, you're just doing things because like, that's just the the way you've been operating. And there's, you know, obviously no shortage of work and we're all busy and so forth, but just slowing it down a little bit and giving, asking some questions and, mm-hmm. and making sure, because it's just going to save so much energy, time, and most likely money in the long run. Uh, if we, Take a few seconds. Literally, I'm I'm not talking like take an hour to just reflect and and stare at the ceiling. Like literally minutes just to breathe a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Have you found, is there anything throughout the day that you've noticed has been helpful for you personally? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I have my my morning routine uh, yeah. lately. I'm almost em- embarrassed to say this because I'm I'm such a sucker. I got I got influenced um, on TikTok and I got one of those walking pads. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Them. They're basically like small treadmills. Yeah. Like my apartment is like maybe like 400 square feet, yet somehow I have <laughs> figured out <laughs> how to get a walking pad in here. Awesome. Um, but I love it. I mean, I'm in I'm in New York. It's freezing out for for half the year, and I like taking walks. But sometimes it's freezing, and it's hard to just you know muster up the courage to to get outside. Sure. As um, I host this from Toronto, Canada, just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my new kind of favorite thing is you know to start the day or like to maybe in between meetings like get on the the walking pad and I can still feel productive. I can still answer emails or you know do work. Um, so I don't feel like I'm, you know, totally context switching and like having to, you know, leave work and come back, which can sometimes I think just be hard mentally to like start and stop. Um, but you know, it really like, it puts me in a different headspace. I'm sure there's scientific evidence out there that like says that you're, you're more creative when you're, when you're moving. Um, yeah. And we're not designed to sit down all day. Like we all forget that, right? It's like, we're not 
set up or wired to just be sitting at a desk all day. So for sure, just moving your body, yeah. you know, uh, you're releasing a lot of awesome, the good chemical cocktails, you know, to help right. you through the day. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off there. I, I, if there, if there's anything else that that you find that that's been helpful, let me know. Then I'll I'll, I'll shift uh, topics. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing um, that that is is helpful that it's it's not really breaks, but it's kind of about how I how I you know schedule my time is like I think it's called time time blocking. Yeah. Um, where you know on my calendar, like I'll just block out like two hours to do a task. Yeah. Um, I find that helpful because it just, I don't know, keeps me focused. Like, I think there's just so many, there's so many little tasks <laughs> that I always am like, oh, I have to respond to this email or I have to do this. And sometimes it's easy to just not do any of it because you're like so overwhelmed. You don't know what to do first. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I love when I have like a couple hours in the middle of the day and I can just like crank out like one thing and like get really, get really excited, get really focused. Um, I think it just helps me again with the context switching. It helps me not context switch yes. um, to, to try and do that. And then, you know, obviously generally, you know, if after the two hours I take a break or whatever. Um, but I think just kind of blocking those, those times off for me has been, has been helpful. Do you have any kind of wind down routine kind of end of day or before you go to bed? Ooh, that's a good question. That's probably one area that I, I have a lot of room for improvement, I would say. <laughs> so well said. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we always talk about, you know, mistakes as opportunities. Uh, so uh, there's some opportunity there. I mean, I think um, I, I, definitely, I definitely could do better, I think, when it comes to like ending my day. Mm-hmm. I... I typically have like a lull around like three to 4 PM, but then I get like a resurgence around six. Okay. So I generally, I, a lot of people would, would hate this, but I generally just like lean into that and I'll like, I don't know, clean my apartment or something for an hour and then like get back online um, yeah. and like finish emails and that kind of stuff from, from the couch or whatever. Um, which I like, cause it's still, it's like, I don't know, allows me to, to wind down. There's a break but I'm, you know, still kind of knocking off some of those little things that are like weighing on me. Sure. And then, you know, I think in terms of like a, a true nighttime routine, I always say if I could just go to bed at nine o'clock every night, I would be like the perfect person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Those could be solved if I went to bed on time. <laughs> so what I try and do is I force myself to physically get in bed at like nine o'clock. Okay. And then I give myself the freedom to stay up as late as I want. Um, reading or watching TV or whatever. Um, but I'm like, just get in bed, just get ready for bed. 50% sure. Of the time I go to bed at like a reasonable hour, the other 50% of the time, it's, you know. Well, the intention is there. That's half the battle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being honest. It makes me, um, I, I remember I interviewed someone that, that ran an agency in, in Toronto. This was like, you know, Montreal actually. We're, so we're recording now, we're probably 300 and something episodes in at this point. This would have been like episode like four or five or something. And But this this point he left with me was so, it's just ingrained in my mind. And obviously at that that point, you know, there was, there was remote work, but not to what it's at at, at this stage. And I remember his, what he, what he left with me, and that's relatable to this, is, is the transi- transition period from our workday into just the personal or the evening wind down and how, uh, again, in his case was like physically when he would grab the doorknob to his door, 
he would just take like one breath and just almost just visualize leaving the day behind and breathing in. All right, now I'm coming. Like now this is time for me, my family and so forth. And that small little act, I think we can still do, even though, you know, many of us are working from home. You just have to find your equivalent of that, that doorknob or whatever it is. Right. And, and maybe that for you, that's the cleanup or, or whatever it is, but like just finding something that you're already doing and, att- and like stacking on that, that, that ritual. And it's, I've done that as well. And it's just, it, it, you can feel like, it's like your, your mind just releases mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, I went all, I went all in today. I did my best and now it's time for the recharge and the recovery, right. Mm-hmm. From the like 12 hour hit workout that we just put our, our mind through essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Back when it, you know, didn't get get dark at four thirty. Um, I know, right? I loved, it's so hard. I loved like an early evening walk. Yeah, uh, a lot of times too. Like I don't know, I wouldn't make it out in the morning, or you know, you just gotta go on a walk every day. Um, and so that would be like, you know, my my routine. But then you know, daylight savings really really messed me up because I know I hate going outside and it's like pitch black. <laughs> it's brutal. It's brutal. I can't wait till uh, but, we're know, out of that. Four months. So at this point. The, the end is near. Totally. Okay. Uh, sorry. I mean, I've, there are so many topics, especially on the mental fitness side that, I mean, you just keep giving me these beautiful <laughs> threads to pull, which is like lights me up as you can probably tell. But the, the whole reason, I mean, that we're connected um, is because I, if, and for listeners, you know, you're, you're aware of this, there, there was a limited series that dropped on this feed um, where called Invested, where I was interviewing early stage uh, investors and, and all for the purpose of helping early stage founders uh, financially and mentally thrive. And as I was interviewing those uh, investors, the, the thing that came up very often, and especially, uh, and this is where we're connected through primary VC with Jason, Jason Schumann, uh, was just like this concept of any startups that come into the uh, portfolio, it's almost, you know, like a requirement in a way to, if they don't have a chief of staff, they need a chief of staff, which just fired up my curiosity beyond like belief. I started researching like what, because I only know this, a chief of staff as like a government position. Mm-hmm. And, and it keeps coming up over and over again. And, also, not just in these massive organizations, you know, like these Fortune 500 companies, but smaller organizations and whatnot, or medium size and, and so forth. So, I just really wanted to understand what this role is all about. And also, it reminds, it seems like there's so many moving parts that, and it seems like it is a role that's on the rise that I would love to provide again, like the mental fitness for people in these kinds of positions so that they can mentally thrive and do the best at that role, which the ripple effect seems to be obviously across the entire organization. So why don't you, why don't you share a little bit about what a chief of staff is to you? Because I know it's different across many organizations. Mm-hmm. And then let's tie that into ephemeral and, and like all the awesome that you guys are doing over there. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, chief of staff is completely different for <laughs> every company, um, yeah. and I think that's that's one of like you know the the fun things about it um, is that 
you know, I might not be a good chief of staff for one company, but I might be a great chief of staff for another company. So I think, you know, as, as people are looking for chief of staff roles, or if they're looking for someone to fill a chief of staff role, it's like, it can be a bit, a bit frustrating because it takes, it takes a while to really find the the fit. Um, but once, you know, once you do it, it's obviously, you know, worth the, worth the search. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think when I, I always struggle with like, what do I do? <laughs> I struggle with this, but what, one thing that I, I really like, uh, that my, my, my boss actually came up with is like, he calls me the, the Navy seal, um, of, of the team, uh, where like when it comes down to it, if there's a problem, I'm kind of told to fix it. <laughs> um, and yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, I think especially when you're, when you're on a resource constrained team, which honestly, most people probably are regardless of how big the company is. Um, it, it can be, you know, picking up where, you know, another team is, is, you know, having problems, they need someone to, to help pitch in on, on a certain project or a certain area. Um, you know, it could be like filling in, filling in for someone who's, who's out or, you know, a role that you haven't been able to hire yet. Um, or it could be, you know, more on, on the EQ side, like helping the team work better or, you know, oh, I noticed that these three people who are supposed to work really well together are, are not working well together or, yeah. you know, they're having too many of the same meetings or, you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again, like go try to fix it. So it really is like very, I would say it's, it's very creative, um, creative problem solving, I would say is, is, you know, something that, that I I probably do every day. Um, that's really the more, you know, I would say interesting, interesting side of things in terms of, of being different from a traditional role. And then on the other hand, you also are still learning really, um, hard business skills. So you kind of have this duality of like, you know, freedom, creativity, solving, interesting, intangible problems, and, you know, learning about how to run a business, learning about what KPIs are and how they're important and how to drive them and, you know, how to motivate people. So Mm -hmm. there really is, you know, I think just so much different experience that, that you're getting. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's one of the, the many things that I love about the role. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds fascinating. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know, for me, it seems like it's a, a a balance or a mix of daily operations strategy and like special projects in a way. Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. You know, that's that's yeah, that's probably how I would just I would I would chunk it out as in those those three things. Um and you know, another thing that that you know, people say is is kind of the job of the chief of staff is really to to uplevel the whole team. So, you know, in addition to the the ops and the strategy, it's like, how can you actually like scale yourself or scale your impact um, to make everyone else, mo- you know, more effective as well? Yeah. And do you report, so do you report directly to the CEO? Is that how it works? Yes, typically? I do. Um, this is another interesting, like, you know, difference between companies. Some roles are like chief of staff to the CEO or chief of staff to, you know, a VP, whereas okay. I am just chief of staff. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I do report to the CEO, but I like support in that way, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, leadership team, really the whole, the whole company. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> That's the way yeah. I, I certainly look at it. So, you know, I do spend a lot of time with the CEO, but I also spend a ton of time with the other VPs and, you know, managers and directors and everyone else. Okay. And what do you think, like, when do you think, organizations should be looking into 
a position like this? Like, it, is it ever too early to, to do that? Honestly, I think no. I don't think it is. I think that like a chief of staff can be really, really impactful, even if it's a three-person company. I think the right. role is slightly different. But I think it's still it's still impactful. Um, you know, one one thing that I think is really important with with early companies is having someone that complements the CEO or the decision maker. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is why you know not every person is going to be a good fit for the company is because it really depends on who you're reporting to and who your manager is. And I think at like a really small company, having someone who who can kind of oppose the CEO and challenge them. Um, but also compliment them is is really important. A lot of times I think that's that role is played by the COO. A lot of yeah. times we see that they kind of like bounce off of each other. One is more, you know, creative and, you know, charismatic. The other is more like operational and tactical. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, if a chief of staff can play that role as well, um, that's, that's another, you know, great, really impactful uh, role. When it also seems like, in a way, like a role like what what you have, it's almost like you're working on the business when many people are working like in the business and just like in the thick of things. And like, not to say that things aren't moving fast on your part. I mean, I know they are, but especially knowing your mental fitness now, I mean, I can see where that helps to just pause and like kind of zoom out and and do that for like the leadership team and as well as the the, the entire organization in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. One of the I haven't haven't had much time to do this recently, but um, one thing I do love is like when I have free hours in my day and I can like listen to a podcast or like read an article, you know, about yeah. this or something or you know the the market and like try and really be creative and think about like you know maybe like future future directions the company can go in or you know just riff riff with with the CEO on a problem or an idea. Um, and like have that, you know, mental, mental bandwidth is really what I think it requires. It's not even time. It's just like mental clarity to do that. Um, and sometimes it's hard cause you're like, Oh, like, I feel like I'm not doing anything <laughs> if I'm yeah. just, you know, coming up with ideas. Um, yeah. but it is like such a gift when, when you have that, that mental bandwidth to, to be able to do that. Oh, it's, I mean, it's huge. Like I'm, it's well time that, that I'm, I'm listening to an audiobook right now. Um, that's all around white space and what it's called a minute to think by Juliet, uh, Funt and reclaim creativity, conquer busyness and do your best work. But, and so far, it's, as far as I'm into it, I mean, it, it supports a lot of the mental fitness that we've been talking about, but it's just this, this idea of, like if you're a designer, you know, good design requires some free space and some white space and some, some, you know, space for the, for the, whether it's a one page poster or whatever it is, a website, like it needs to breathe a bit. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the same thing, like what you're doing with your, your calendar blocking. Like if you just jam that kind of like floor to ceiling with meetings or nonstop, I mean, you, you just like, you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, but those, for whatever reason, those moments, and I'm the same way when, when you are doing that, it still doesn't feel acceptable yet. Like it's yeah. like, I'm not productive or I'm not doing something productive yeah. when, when in essence, you're, you're probably doubling your pr- productivity because you're letting your mind clear out and, and mm-hmm. ideate and think of new things and draw connections and, and whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, it's so important. 
How, do you do you do any kind of reviews of your weeks as they go along, just to see like the meetings that you are having and the projects you're working on, like how you can adjust them and so forth as as things develop? Yeah, that's again, that's probably something that I should do more of. Um, but the one thing that like you know the the whole company actually does is you know during our our quarterly planning and we actually do like six week planning. So every six weeks we kind of check in on our our plans and figure out what we need to do for the next six weeks. Okay. Um. And so I I lead that for the team, but then I also you know try to try to do it honestly for myself as well. Um. And I think you know more than more than like figuring out where I'm spending my time. It's actually I think the most impactful for me to just figure out how long it takes me to do things. That's something sure. that I always, uh, I always struggle with. It either takes me, you know, a lot longer or a lot shorter to do, to do projects than, than I think. So, you know, I think on that one, it's really just accountability and yeah. figuring out like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do all of these five things in the next week, but is it really, is it really going to work? Is it really going to produce the best output? And that's typically what ends up happening is I go along and I'm like, okay, I could do this next thing, but like, it's, it's not what needs my attention right now. Or it's, I need more time to think of, you know, to plan how I'm going to do it. Um, and so that's, that's definitely, I think been, been helpful, um, in terms of just planning ahead and planning my time and being realistic with, uh, with my output. Well, if you're looking for, uh, an end of week rack, rack, wrap up uh, practice, I, I can drop a few prompts here for that, that personally I use and that that I know uh, people on the other side have found quite helpful as well. And it's it, it links to that, that even your, your evening wind down or your end of day, you can do this daily as well. But at least on a Friday, if like you pick a time midday, not at the very end of the day, because typically we're like, we're kind of trying to rush and close things off, but like three o'clock, 3.30. And again, just just not super long, 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. And just ask these three questions. What did I learn this week? What would I have changed this week? And most importantly, what can I celebrate about this week? And it's unbelievable how those three questions just surface like a university amount of, of data and insight. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're just like, you, cause you have to look at your calendar and you yeah. forget what you did on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, yeah, that that didn't go as well as planned, or I would have handled this situation just slightly differently. Mm-hmm. And the next time that comes up, you've like you've already primed your mind to to handle that differently. And the best part is that you go into the weekend released of all the stuff from the week, and yeah. with that serotonin, dopamine, neuro cocktail of gratitude emotions and, yeah. and chemicals firing. So something, um, if you want to try it out, uh, it's that's something in my calendar, like takes a lot to move that, that block. And if something, something does have to be scheduled there, like I'm doing it before or after this, it, it's, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, I, I think I'm, I'm noticing a, a pattern here with my, with my routines and behaviors is I'm very strong at the beginning. And then at the <laughs> end you start to taper, taper away, uh, both of the day and the week. So that's, yeah, that's, I'll, that's going to be added to my, to my beginning of week to do list for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Punctuating, uh, the, the endings a bit more. Uh, I mean, I, I want to respect your time, so I'll start wrapping up, but I mean, is there, is there anything outside of what you just mentioned right now? Is there anything that's like, you know, really it's on your radar that you want to try out, whether this is, you know, for, for your role as chief of staff or 
any mental fitness, like anything just like, oh, I can't wait. Like, I want to try this out. I see this is working in other companies or for other people individually. Just like something inspiring you. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I I was reminded of this a couple a couple minutes ago when we were talking about, about you know, reading and and mental, uh, you know, kind of kind of clarity and mental space. Um, and I've done it before. I haven't done it in a while. So it kind of answers answers both questions, I think, um, was we did like a book club with mm. just like my CEO, myself, and then our, our VP of people. We didn't call it a book club. Um, but we all decided we were going to read this book. It's called It was called um, No Rules Rules. It's about okay. Netflix culture. Okay. Um, and I've heard of that. There, no Rules Rules? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. It's it's like you know it's pretty extreme, so it's probably it's not going to work for every every company. Um, but I really liked a lot of the a lot of the pieces of it. it talks about you know really like three sixty culture, um, yeah. and the TLDR is that they have no they have no rules, and that is kind of their their philosophy is like you know use good judgment, um, and you know, that's, that's really the the best way to move forward. And it makes people more efficient, happier, better, et cetera. And then you obviously don't have any of the, you know, overhead of like creating and maintaining all these policies. Yeah. Um, and so I think like that, you know, as we were saying, you feel kind of guilty doing something that's, you know, more development rather than like pen to paper, writing emails, doing projects. So having that like scheduled every week, we were going to discuss this book, um, I think it, it kind of helped there as well because it, you know, I was able to take time during the day to go on a walk and listen to the audiobook or read or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, still be able to kind of mentally check off like, oh, I'm doing this for work. <laughs> totally. <laughs> not have that, not have that, you know, <laughs> guilt of, oh, I'm I should be on my computer right now. Um, so I think like that's that's probably something that, you know, it's very it's easy to do. Uh, it doesn't take that much time. It's enjoyable. It's nice to get away from your computer anyway. Um, and I think, you know, especially when we're, we're super busy, it's, it's easy to deprioritize that, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd say that's probably one thing, you know, in the next, next month or so that I'd love to bring out, bring back is just like, you know, reading, reading an interesting book that can be applied to work, uh, discussing it with your, your colleagues and then like, you know, bringing that out in meetings or in emails or whatever, um, is kind of fun. And I think also just brings people together. Well, well, I was going to say like the last piece there, that's kind of full circle with the whole conversation around remote work. I think mm-hmm. it's just another great way to bring the team together. And I mean, I'm biased because obviously my work is all around asking better questions and pausing to ask those questions. But I, I think as soon as we stop asking questions and then fall in this like autopilot mode, like that's when that's when you arrive at places and you're like, how did we get here? Like, how did, how did things just shift this far, this fast? Yeah. Well, it's typically because you're not stopping to ask these, these kind of questions. So anytime you can come together as a team and just talk and think and, and probe and allow, again, that, that mind to breathe and that white space to, to, to be on the calendar, there's zero downside. I mean, I, I haven't heard of a team that says, ah, oh, we really shouldn't have done that, you know? <laughs> so... I support your message and goal. And uh, this is, well, this was so fun. I mean, I, we could obviously talk for, for a lot longer. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a part two one of these days. But for now, I just, you know, I just want to thank you for making some time to come on the show. And um, also thank you for, you know, just prioritizing you and your mind and the, and, 
and your mental fitness because we didn't even get into ephemeral. I mean, I'll drop the links. <laughs> I know you said, well, keep it more like related to your role, but uh, we'll have to do another round. I really encourage everyone to check out, uh, I'll put the w- website in the show notes because it's it's a really cool concept. Yeah. And I think, you know, my mind goes to, to reflection and personal development and stuff like that. I mean, and anytime you can put on a, a tattoo as a reminder and also one that fades and doesn't last, you know, for forever, that opens up just a whole other market and wonderful set of benefits for, for people that may have not gone down that road. So check it out. Do you want, do you want to want to say one, one thing about the company or the work or anything coming up to yeah, I mean, you know, it's the. I think you you uh, gave a, a great intro there. Um, hopefully, you know, if folks haven't heard of Ephemeral, your curiosity is piqued. I will just say it's it's the you know first and only tattoo ink that is made to fade. It will disappear completely. It's a you know regular, if you will, tattoo. It's applied with a needle, um, you know, the same way as a traditional tattoo. But our ink uh, is formulated to actually have, you know, a shorter lifespan compared to traditional ink. Uh, so it will completely fade away, giving you, you know, the option to to change up your tattoo uh, as you as you see fit, as you want to. So uh, really awesome. exciting. I now I went from someone who had zero tattoos to now having quite a few. Um, so, you know, I, I love, you know, thinking of thinking of my next, my next design and, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, how I'm going to self-express via a tattoo next. Well, and just like lining up that up with like the change in seasons, like of our life and whatnot, and you can, intentions and uh, I mean, there's a million different, we could do a whole series or conversation just on that. Yeah. Um, and then what just remind uh, me and the listeners, there are, is it seven or 11? There's quite a few studios across um, We are about to open the seventh. Yeah, we just, okay. just announced our uh, DC office. So we have our DC studio. Uh, so we have Brooklyn. That was our first one. Uh, LA, San Francisco, Atlanta, Houston, and Miami, and soon to be DC. Love it. Check it out, everyone. Thank you so much, Isabel. And until the next time. Yep. Great to, great to chat with you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. 